right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Property Players. I'm your host, C. Muzan. Got another great guest here for you. Again, uh, a guy that we're just getting to know each other a bit, but I jumped into a clubhouse room, I believe, and he was just dropping some gems or we got connected somehow. And then I see him over on Instagram doing his thing. So we got a chance to link up and I knew I needed to have him on the show. So uh, Jovan Crawford, thank you so much for joining us on the show, man. Chris, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Uh, I'm glad to be on the show. Absolutely. Pleasure is mine. Pleasure is mine. We over here, man, we just jump straight into it. So let's let's just go in. Start sure. <laughs> start with your origin story, right? Like take me back before like who who is Jovan? I know you're in Chicago, but who are you? Like, how did you get to this place? Take to me take take uh some time to talk about the origin. I don't think we got enough time. It might take me a couple of weeks, but uh <laughs> I'll try to make it short. So uh Got started actually really early, uh, age of 11. Family had a construction company. So at an age of 11, just doing uh, the carpentry and drywall and that type of deal. And just kind of watching my my family, which was actually my uncle with the construction company, just buying commercial properties, buying multifamily properties and fixing them up. And just being there as 11 years old watching this and he actually paid me like an adult. So I was getting paid just like any other adult, which was crazy and, and you know, uh, growing up in, in the inner city of Chicago, kind of dealing with some of the high crime and being in those areas and going to those schools, a lot of the kids my age were turning to drugs and turning to, you know, things to, you know, illegal ways to get money. But at that age, uh, a great incentive for me was to work with my family, make the money, save the money up. And as I started getting older, like, you know what, I want to really get into this. I see my family buying construction buildings and rehabbing. And so I decided to get into real estate at the age of 21. So I bought my first uh, three unit at age of 21 using FHA financing, which is probably the best way to get started uh, in real estate because you got the low down payment, 3.5% down, which is still the same today. And I lived in one of the units. Actually, I lived in the, we have in Chicago, we are really popular for having basements. I don't know if Chris, you guys have it out there where you guys at. So we have a, a you know, I lived in the basement a single mill and I rented out the two units and did some of the construction work myself because of my construction background. And from there, um, I started, you know, getting cash flow and, and saw that buying just that one property, I eliminated my uh, my rent payment because the money from the two tenant was enough to pay for the mortgage at the property that I was located and actually put an extra like $250 in my pocket. So for a, a young 21 year old guy, uh, a landlord and, you know, getting money. I said, you know what, I have to do this again, some type of way. But the second way to the second uh, deal wasn't so easy because now you got to come up with 20% down, 25% down, which is, can be very challenging uh, for someone that's 21, you know, still working a job. I was a, a Comcast uh, line tech technician. So it wasn't making a lot of money. So from there, just kind of working with my family and they end up helping me with a down payment to get my second property. And then from there, that's that's how I started getting into real estate, started buying multi-families and, and uh, you know, start doing some fix and flips. And the rest is history, as they say. Oh yeah, and just, just, <laughs> just duplicating the process. That's it, and that's, that's a big deal. Like, let, let, let's start at the story because not a lot of people get the opportunity to have a family member, someone that they can look up to, that they trust early in the game to be like, hey, this is the way to go. So what, so what type of conversations were you hearing from your uncle, if you remember that that time when you're getting introduced to it? Great, great, great question. Uh, some, of the, one, some of the questions I was hearing is one, uh, I was taught, you know, I, my story is different than most, but there is some, it, 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 you know, the story ended up getting <laughs> very challenging down the road with, with Craig and I, and I go into it. But some of the things that, I, that were just uh, told to me is one, the biggest thing was my credit. So, you know, being a 15 year old hearing about credit, you know, from where where I was raised, where I'm from, a lot of people don't have credit or, you know, the type of family I was raised in that didn't have a lot of money and on welfare, that, those type of things. Uh, some parents end up using their kids credit and they end up, you know, really, you know, putting them in a very terrible situation. Yep. So at a young age, I was taught uh, from my uncle that was actually in, in investing telling me how important it is to uh, preserve your credit what is credit right a lot of a lot of young people and, and adults don't know what credit is and how important it is and how you can leverage credit to get one to buy property to get capital get unsecured credit and how important that is 
right? So just understanding what it is, how to maintain it, and learning that at 15 was probably the most important thing or one of the best that he could teach me almost better than construction. Because even to this day, um, learning that me having access to credit allowed me to get into so many different things. And there's a lot of people that I come across and students and investors um, that they, they what's stopping them from getting into real estate is their credit. So that is one of the things at an early age that, w- that was uh, taught to me and, and the importance of it. I, I, I heard it so much, it got stamped into my head. Uh, so that was, that's one of the biggest thing. And then the second part was um, working for yourself, you know, he, you know, because of the challenges that he faced working at jobs and discrimination and things like that, it, his, his, his biggest thing for someone like myself is to be an entrepreneur if you want to go to school, great. Um, I went to college and I dropped out of college because it, I hated school and I was a C average all the way through. So I knew I wasn't going to uh, last in school or work for someone long because um, I was probably the worst employee. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but one thing he stressed to me is, you know, one, work hard, right? Um, work hard, you know, you work hard, you can get anything that you want. And that's the biggest thing is building my credit working hard and uh, you know, when you're doing that, I was able to attain these properties and things like that because of those two things that he uh, instilled in me. It's a big deal, that's a big deal. So many people in Giovanna, I talked to a lot of people about that, you know, this type of stuff, like how blessed we are to have this information and this knowledge so that we, oh, yes. can, we can pass it down to our next generation. So we could pass it down to our kids because you know, the, you had a bit of a, a head start because at such a young age, you were getting this financial literacy, you were getting this understanding of money that you can begin to build on. And there's so many of us that didn't get that. And there's so many people out there that are listening that didn't get that. However, now that you can find the information and it's out there, it's our job to now start having those conversations with our children, right? I I was just talking about this with, um, I think one of my buddies about like, the fact that I teach, I have a young daughter. My, my, my daughter is about to turn four at the time of recording this. Um, oh, nice. She is already understanding things like investing and wow. saving. And it's amazing. Like, like already because of just the, the conversations that we're having around the house. And so mm-hmm. when you have these conversations at an early age, it definitely sets, sets you apart. So like understanding that credit piece at age 15 obviously sets you up so that by the time you are 21, you have full knowledge, full understanding of exactly what you need to do. Who, who taught your, 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 your uncle this stuff? Like, did he ever tell you like where he got this? Did he just learn it? You know what? And, and the thing with him is he learned it from trial and error. Just, you know, one thing he was really good at is he was, he was, he was the type of guy that, and and I kind of learned this from him. If he saw someone doing well, in the industry, right? Someone that's doing well or somebody buying a property and say, hey, Chris, hey, how did you get that property? How did you first get started? And some, you'll be amazed at some of these, you know, the, el- the elderly or the older guys that's in the in the field, no one ever come up to them asking those questions. Mm-hmm. So that's how he got started, you know, uh, you know, just talking to different guys that was in the, in the business that he saw doing the same thing and them willing to share the information, you know, buying them a coffee and just sitting down with them. And actually that's something I use to this day. When I work with uh, students, I work with investors, partners, it's the same thing. Or, or if I'm trying to learn something myself, I'm always looking to grow. I'm, you know, I'm always looking to expand my business. So if I see someone in my local industry that's doing something, uh, just like recently I uh, had an event uh, downtown Chicago, uh, met with some group of investors that's in our industry. And one of the guys was a, a developer uh, doing some major things in Chicago. And one of the questions I say, hey, how did you get started? What would, what would be some advice from get someone like myself that's looking to head in that direction as you know the development piece and and you know now you got a phone number now you can contact that person so that's kind of how he got started yeah. and you know of course he's helping me and the same thing with me uh, i'm teaching other people how to get started and in, in real estate as well and, you know and people and, are you know, more helpful yeah people are more helpful than not and that's what you know i'll hear a lot of you know younger kids or people that are growing up and trying you know trying to become the entrepreneur say oh nobody's there to help me or like i reached What's out to changing? this person and this and this this didn't work or this didn't and i'm like most people that have knowledge they actually mm-hmm. want to give it to you like, they do they're just trying to make sure that you're not wasting their time and that, that now that is the difference mm-hmm. they want to make sure you're not wasting any time that's it <laughs> picking that's their it. brain and you know that that that, that is the difference it is it is and the fact that you have that that's something i also have where i'm just i'm open to asking if i see someone doing 
what I want to do or mm-hmm. right just is further along I'm gonna ask them how they got there and that seems like common sense to people like us but sometimes and for maybe it's some not. of you listening it's not right it's but not. let me tell you like that is definitely a key that is definitely a key to get in the door you want to get into is just literally just by asking the question closed mouths don't get fed that's correct don't, don't get fed so um, so now just walking along your journey Jovan so now 15 understanding the credit piece and now you're still in the construction side 18 mm-hmm. you're out of school did you go right into college I know you said you didn't want yeah, to so I, I, I did like most people you know after I graduated from high school I went straight to uh, Northeast University here in Chicago mm-hmm. and when I went to Northeast then uh, you know I, I just as I as soon as I got there I just knew it wasn't for me but you know uh, what we get taught with the American dream is what go to go to college get your degree buy a house uh, you know a dog and and that wasn't and I saw that that I couldn't fit into that puzzle so as I started looking into it I enjoy because I was able to get some of this experience of working as a contractor or a, a, a laborer for my uncle company I saw what my family was doing versus what I was trying to do and I decided that that wasn't for me and that was the best decision I ever did was to leave school and and to start a, a business and I'm still in business to this day uh, so that's, you know, something that I, you know, for me, that was part of the, the best thing I could, best decision I ever made was just leaving school and, and, and having a plan. I just leave the school, but having a plan and executing that plan. That's good. That's good. What, what was that plan? Like when you left, you just knew you were going to go directly into family business. Like, how so for, for me, like you say, for, you know, uh, just a different situation for me versus most people, I knew that I wanted to be entrepreneur. I knew that I wanted to either be in the construction field or somewhere around real estate. So that's what I started doing. I started uh, my own construction business and started all small, just doing some painting jobs, kind of see how that go. And as I started, I hired my brother, hired another friend, and it just kind of stopped building it out to where I can get a good feel for it. And I just enjoy being able to do that work for myself. And I was hands-on, I mean, I was doing the work myself. And then as I started branching out and started building my company, I started doing more of the supervising and managing. And then from there, you know, went into getting my own property and working on there. And, you know, running the business. And then I had to go, you know, work as well. I had to work a job like most people. So I kind of did everything. I was working a job full time. Um, and I also was, you know, managing my building at 21. Mm-hmm. And before 21, from like 18 to 19, it was just pretty much me just running my business and you know, just, you know, taking support myself. What's what's the biggest challenge in the construction space? Like as you're building the construction business, like what, what are the things that you see? Well, construction have so so many layers to it because I when I worked for my family company, uh, same thing with my family. They didn't have someone giving them the blueprint. They didn't have all the proper documents and licensing when we first got started. We just kind of just to start doing it and learning for ourselves. So one of the things when you don't have the the schooling, the you're going to school for construction. There's a lot of things you don't know, different ordinances and things like that. So we ran into a lot of <laughs> issues uh, with the city, uh, you know, because we we were just getting started, just trying to figure things out. Uh, then other thing is uh, about the construction side, which I'm not a big fan of. Uh, it's, it's like it's a customer service business as well because you have to work with clients and you know sometimes you know if you don't have the proper documents in place. You know, being a young 18, 19 year old guy, I don't know about certain agreements you have. And then just being that young, a lot of adults at that time would, you know, was take, trying to take advantage of you being that young. And, um, you know, it, if you're doing a job, you're, you know, at that age getting, you know, 10 or $20,000, you know, and they see that you're this young, they know that you don't know, you know, how to put liens on property. So just not knowing what you don't know. Right. And, you know, sometimes you can, you know, speed that learning curve up by working with other contractors, right? And working with them side by side or someone you could partner with that got the experience already yeah. versus uh, the school of hard knocks is kind of the route I went. Uh, so yeah, so those are some of the, the challenges. And then just, you know, being just a young guy uh, at that at that time and them not really giving you the respect um, and, you know, f- for doing the work that you're doing. How did you, and, and that, that sounds like the common pitfalls are for like anyone that's young getting into a business. Uh, how, how did you overcome sales and all that type of stuff? Like, are, are you a natural salesman? Like, did, is that something? Not, that oh, boy. Gave you? Oh. 
Oh, not one thing that I hate because I, I feel I'm because I'm I'm um I'm a down to earth person, right? Uh, I know I got a shirt on tie today because I just left the meeting. But other than that, I would have my, my shirt on like you. Uh, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a down to earth guy, and uh and I'm a people person. I, I anybody I talk to, I, I can get along with. So I, I'm not a corporate guy. So I don't have the story of uh, working in corporate. I don't I didn't like anything with that. I just like to be out in the field. So any jobs that I did have, even uh, the one I had at 21. I was a Comcast technician out in the field where I didn't have to be at the office. I didn't want to be at the desk. So, uh, you know, so as far as like, you know, just growing and, and, you know, getting out of some of those situations for someone that's, that is young and that's looking to, uh, or just, that's young, that's have a business and that may face the same challenge. One of the ways I've overcome some of those challenges uh, of being young is making sure that I have uh, a presentation, right? So I made sure that I had a, a uniform on. So most guys may just have a regular shirt and t-shirt boots i made sure me and my brother we had a logo 18 we had a shirt and then sometimes i would even tell them i'm the owner i would say hey i'm the manager i'm the supervisor because for some reason when you tell them the owner I, I, it was giving me issues mm -hmm. so i'll just say hey i'm the supervisor they called my you know a uh, lot management called me or corporate group called me to come out here to, to assess a job and then that's kind of how i would do it just treat it like a job you know and that's kind of how people respect it when you treated it like a job i was able to get more jobs more respect, you know, and then even when there was an issue, then I say, hey, I talked to corporate, this is the things that we got to do, just kind of, you know, just doing whatever I could do just to, uh, you know, kind of get over some of those challenges, yeah. at, you know, being a young. That's smart, though, right? Like, that's smart. In, in, in my industry, like being in the financial services space, it comes with the same thing. When people start off very, very young, you're 21 mm -hmm. years old, 22 years old, you're calling yourself a financial coach, or even more so a financial advisor, if, if you are licensed in that at an early age. People aren't gonna take you very seriously up front. So yeah, you have to overcompensate, right? You gotta wear the glasses, right? You gotta do some things to make you, <laughs> make you look a little bit older. And, and you figured that out along that line of like, man, maybe I'm not gonna tell people that I'm the owner because that's mm -hmm. gonna run into all these questions of my legitimacy. Maybe I'm just gonna let them know that I am the manager, right? This is just what I do and people will receive it better. That is strategic. And that was your mindset. Because again, not a lot of people have that mindset. But for those of you that are listening and paying attention to this, these are ways that you can get around uh, your shortcomings or the thing that you think might be holding you back from making that, that sale or getting that client or whatever it is. It could come down to your approach and what you're actually saying. Um, so this kind of, again, you said, you know, you weren't the greatest in sales, but that, that sounds like you figured that out yourself, right? Like, is that more just that entrepreneur mind that, that well, yeah. And I, and I, I think, you know, you know, you, you sit home, you, you're trying to figure out like, how can I get over this hurdle? Right. You know, cause uh, I am young, I can't change, change my age. So one thing that I saw that, and I saw that people respect if you, um, you know, change. So perception is everything, right? So uh, my first impression was everything. You can't get a second first impression. So I always make sure that I have, you know, my car was clean. You know, I had my, uh, I had my advertisement on the car. Um, my brother, we we all looked a certain way. We had our, just the whole presentation, right? And then I noticed when you have that presentation, when you have the look, you have the uniform, and everything looked together as a company or uh, as because these people are working hard right they, this is their hard-earned money and they want to make sure that the person they're hiring is going to get the job done and so the things i don't want them to focus on is my age right so then by having those things i was kind of able to get over some of those hurdles and actually i didn't have any issues once i looked to part from that point on so it just came from just trial and error just kind of just wearing what I normally wear and that that young, I look like the kids in that neighborhood that young. So they say, hey, is he gonna take advantage of me? Is he gonna rob me? So just wanted to look look the part, speak the part. You know, like I said, I'm not, you know, not a salesman, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I am because you know, uh, people can relate to me, um, you know, and, and, and they make and them feel you, comfortable. Yeah, and you were able to adapt, you're able to think on the fly, right? Like those, those are a lot of those, those same traits. Um, but like I said, that might just go also to that entrepreneur mind. Because you know, if your if your uncle's instilling in you talking about real estate and then also talking about not working for anyone, not having a job, and really going down that path, and you've known you've been an entrepreneur, well, that's one of the traits also is like you know how to pivot, like you know how to get something done. You'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you can get it done. So that's that entrepreneur mindset. That again, a lot of people need to adapt. They need to learn how to get it. Sounds like you've had it for a long time. Do you believe that that mindset can be learned? Do you think people should have to start off with it? How do you look at that? Yeah. And, and that's, that's great that you're saying that too. And, uh, you know, 
with, with my students that I teach as far as with multifamily, the first thing that we do uh, before we start getting into analyzing deals and raising capital, that's all the fun stuff. Let's talk about the numbers, let's talk about deals. Right. The first thing I do, which a lot of people like to talk about, I, I break down to the, the mindset. The mindset is, is just your mind overall. Everybody have different experiences, especially like with the pandemic and the COVID, so many things happen, people, family die. You have to kind of, you know, speak to that person, break everything down. And a lot of stuff, a lot, sometimes just your experience of having failures, these negative, these negative things follow you. Right. And sometimes you don't feel that you can get this million dollar deal. Oh, that's, 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 that's too much. I don't think, cause I only have, you know, my account is negative, uh, you know, or I have a bankruptcy or, or, and I, and I can share with you, I have, you know, I gave you the, the the good part of my story. I didn't give you everything that that went left. We'll but get into some of that stuff. Yeah, we 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 will. But what I'm saying is, it, you know, it's the mindset. So anytime I'm talking to someone, so yes, it, it can be learned and you can change it. And some of the things you can do to change it is one, it's just surrounding yourself around the right people, right? So for me, I make sure that I'm around people that's in my industry or it's people that's that's entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs kind of speak the same so if i talk to you I man you're going to even though you're in different industries we kind of speak the same way we kind of talk the same lingo uh and then we speak positive like i'm always speaking uh you know about you know every day i'm trying to look at inspiration or something that's gonna help me or something that that can help me grow my business right. versus someone that may hate their job and then they're around other people that hate their job and then we're talking about their boss and things that's going wrong in their job and then a dog guy and then <laughs> that stuff pour into your system and it, it, it give you a roadblock and then when so for example if i was talking to you say hey chris i'm looking at getting this deal um, i'm a little nervous but i got the money uh you say, you know what why would you buy that deal it's too much money chris you should keep your money to yourself so you're getting all this from the other people so it's one it's, it's changing your your environment changing your mindset um and then two whatever it is that you're trying to do is is really at this point now in 2020 whatever 2021 okay. uh i'm probably gonna date this but when you when you uh, have in this if you're born in this era now there's access to so many things right so we got a YouTube or like you say we we met on Clubhouse and so many people you can get access to and hear information and take notes so there's really no ex excuse at this point and that's kind of the, the one of the biggest ways I start really start getting into real estate just taking time going over YouTube and, and researching and adding so if I want to know something new I just go to we everyone can go to Google and. Hey, how do I fill out a purchase agreement contract? How do I, you know, how do I, I raise capital? And they have all the answers for you, you know. And that's the thing I do now. I don't, I don't really even uh, at this point I don't even watch TV. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't watched TV in probably months because I fill that time up with with podcasts. I fill that time up with YouTube videos. There are so many things I need to know. I know that I know my, you know, part of real estate, but I don't know everything. And that's the same thing for people that's listening. I would say if it's something that you're trying to do, don't make any excuse. Um, the, having the right mindset is just taking that time to get around the right people. Uh, watch what you, you know, that's why I don't watch TV because so much stuff that you hear can get in seep into your system. So I'm really, I'm really uh, advocate for speaking certain things out and, and, you know, just aligning yourself up with the right people. Man, you're preaching, brother. You're preaching because that's it. I talk about this all the time, all the time, right? This, this mindset piece, I've been on a personal growth, personal development journey for eight plus years and really just getting serious just just like you said right we cut off cable i haven't watched tv i fill all my time with things that are going to actually get me to where i where i want to be right i'm listening to better things and like you said getting around better people getting into better dialogue and that's how you grow a mentor of mine a long a long time ago told me your money will only grow to the degree that you do as a person right so right like if if i wasn't growing if i'm not getting to that next level my money is not going to grow either and once i understood that lesson i was just like all right well i'm just going to grow and i was always looking for new networks new people to be around right new ideas new conversations new information and so that's the place that 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 we're in i think what starts to cripple people now is because there's information overload so what, yes. so what we're getting is we're getting everyone that has the ability to find information or give information, you know, in the money space. And I'm sure you see this in the real estate side, right? Oh, now yeah. all the information is true. Some people yes. are giving you false information and it's muddying the water. And so that's why I'm trying to bring people together and really get that network of people that are going to give you the right information that are going to show you and share with you the things that you actually need so you don't fall for 
the stuff that's out there because everyone has a voice now, right? And everyone can say whatever. But for sure, it's about following and finding the people that are that trusted source. And then you, you can definitely find it. So um, to, to kind of pivot a bit, how, why, why multifamily? Because you said something, right? Like, you know, you've done some studying, you've done reading, right? You've learned and educated yourself in your space. And we know any type of investment, no matter what asset class you go in, even what, what you know, branch of real estate you choose to invest in, um, they all have their own pros and cons. They all have different things in there. So why multifamily? Why is that the way you chose to go? Great question. Um, I've done just about everything in real estate uh, from wholesaling, from fix and flips to rentals, multifamily, tax lien, tax deeds, right? <laughs> and like you said, they all have uh, different uh, ent uh, entry points to get in, uh, different risk level. Um, one of the areas that's the most popular that I hear from everybody is fix and flips. And the reason why fix and flips is the most popular is two things. One, HGTV. People love watching HGTV, seeing these amazing houses and, oh, it's just the best thing in the world. And as people say, that's what sparked my interest to get into that. I want to take an ugly house and make it look amazing. Right. That's the, that's the first part. Uh, the second is you hear people advertise, hey, I made 40000 I made 50000 I put a checkup of $75,000 and you say, you know what? I'm only making 30 on my 30,000 on my job. I'm only making 50,000. This guy that just dealed in six months and he made, wow, he made $75,000. Uh, the problem with that is they don't tell you all the ins and outs of that. They tell you just the positive. And this is the difference between someone like me, which I could say as a guru, I mean, I actually do real estate. I do this for a living right. versus one, you have the gurus who, who made their money doing real estate. They don't longer do it. And you know, things always changing in real estate. So wholesaling, I didn't, uh, I didn't, they, they preach wholesaling because, uh, you know, nothing against people that want to do wholesaling. And I've, I've done it. I do it if, it if it makes sense. I didn't like wholesaling because uh, I didn't like the idea I had to sit at someone's house all the time and try to negotiate the numbers with them. And, and or, you know, it, it was just too much to me, too much work, but you didn't, you didn't have to put a lot of money into it. And you can make money doing wholesaling uh, and it can take some time depending on what strategy that you're going with. I didn't like the idea I had to physically keep going to the people's houses and right. it was just too much work for me. And I know that there's other ways that they're doing it now. Fix and flip was pretty cool, right? Um, fix and flips are good when they're going well. Only problem with fix and flip is, is, is still a job, right? You just, it's a, a it could be a considered a high paying job is earn income. You have to be there. You have to manage your crew. You have to be there with the contractors. And then if you take on a project and, and which happened to me plenty of times, things go left you can lose a lot of money. And I know people that do their very first flip and never get back into real estate, right? Mm -hmm. So why rentals or a multifamily? Multifamily, I like to get a multifamily because it's, uh, it's minimal risk, right? And then it's just understanding what I call your investor ID. So for Chris, you know, what type of person are you? What type, you know, are you a person that uh, like to deal with construction? Are you a person that don't want one's hands off? Or it just depends on your personality. Everybody is different. So for myself, just kind of going through all the different real estate strategies, the thing I like about multifamilies versus everything else, one, I kind of see this meme that goes on uh, on Instagram quite often. They say wholesale is a is a quick check. They say fix and flip is a fat check, and then they say uh, multifamily is basically a lifetime check. It's lifetime. So for me, I'm not looking at today. I'm looking, and I have two kids. I have a, a nine year old and an eight year old, and, and and you have a kid yourself. So my thing is not just for myself. It's just building. You know, what they, what they ever say generational wealth is setting myself up to not just get a fifty thousand dollar check today, which you know, if you get, you can spend fifty thousand pretty quick, you can spend it in less than thirty days, and then now you got to start back over. You got to work just that hard every single time. So with multifamily, as you buy a multifamily and you start setting it up, you get access to appreciation. So um, in the area that I'm at, properties are appreciating in the particular area or uh, suburb that I'm working at is appreciating. I had a property that I bought five years ago at 215,000. It's now worth almost over 350. So almost 150,000 in equity in five years. So that fix and flip, I would have did way back five years ago, that money is spent. But this property, guess what? Over the last five years, I'm, I've received one, I'm not paying a mortgage. I'm receiving cash flow every single month. And my money is going to work for me. That's the difference. My money is going to work every single day. And on that first, I'm getting a check, direct deposit into my account. While I'm working on something else, or like now I'm talking to you on the podcast and a, and a direct, you know, a check just hit my account. 
it's the fourth. So I just got to check right now. So those are things I like about multifamily because it allow you to, and, and also after you stabilize it, I don't have to do no more work because the way we set things up, we automate it and have a property manager handling all the headaches or all the myth that we hear about multifamily. I don't want to deal with the sinks and uh, evicting people. We have systems in place. You know, once you get educated, we got things in place there where we don't have, we hands off and we minimize the risk. So we get the bill equity. We got access to appreciation and then with depreciation and filing your taxes if your person is a high earner on a corporate job and you you got a hundred thousand making you know a hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of taxes that you pay on your property but imagine working that job and having a multi-family property and offsetting those taxes and now a person is making a hundred thousand their job and having a multi-family you're now saving on taxes so those you know that is the reason why i do multi-family because of all those benefits i just mentioned to you yeah, those are all important benefits too. It's about how you're thinking about it. Like you said, is this generational wealth or are you taking that quick money that you're gonna blow anyway, right? <laughs> like, you know, how, how are you really thinking about it? So that's, it's, you know, again, you're right in line with what I think, cause I'm, I'm in the multifamily. If I'm, I'm not investing just yet, but that mm -hmm. is the goal to invest in multifamily on, on our side, because we care about that generational wealth. We care about the cash flowing asset Right, like those yes. are the things that, that, that we pay attention to. Walk us through that first deal though, right? Walk us through that first multifamily. All right, now I got it. And you know, what was the process going through it? Great, great. So the first deals were, were smaller deals, right? So these were more of the uh, the two to four units. So this under four units, uh, you want to speak here more about the, the commercial, because commercial is for us is the five units or more. So the first multifamily commercial? Yeah, start there. Okay, so the first multifamily commercial uh, was was a big thing, right? Because now things change. So when you get into commercial multifamily, five units or more is commercial, right? Five to 100 to 200, anything under five is residential. So that's a different type of financing. So when you're buying a residential, they're looking at the comps. When you're buying a uh, multifamily, they're looking at the comps and they're looking at the NOI and the cap rate on the property. So if you drive the net operating income. So that's your gross of the property versus your expenses and what's left over. If you drive that net operating income up, now the value goes up. So my very first deal was a five unit deal in Chicago. And when we purchased this deal, you know, it was just it was just a headache just in the negotiation process. So just kind of, you know, for me, I always try off to figure market, out off market deal, off market deal. Gotcha. So uh, one thing that that I do in Chicago is I, I get I network with a lot of wholesalers and people that have off market deals. This is an off market deals. A person that owned this property for close to thirty years, and it, it needed some update. It looked like the nineteen eighties, old <laughs> paneling on the wall. Uh, but this one had two storefronts, retail storefronts, and it had a, a small convenience store, very small, like maybe about twelve hundred square feet, and it had like a small restaurant next to it, which was vacant. And it, it needed some work. It needed some work. So uh, they did have two tenants in there. So they had two. They had two uh, residential tenants, and they had one uh, storefront tenant. So out of the six units, it was three that was uh, occupied and three that was vacant. Okay. So uh, that that first deal was working with a lender that was that requested for us to put twenty five percent down. I did not have the money, uh, and my credit was terrible. Terrible, terrible. Stop, it was like four so thirty. Right so stop right there, right? <laughs> so you're already looking for these deals, knowing, knowing that you don't have the money and your credit's not good. That's yes. that mindset piece that we're talking about, right? How did you get into that mindset, knowing I'm a, I'm gonna find this thing, and if I find it, I'm gonna still put it together. What were you thinking during during that time? So, so one, um, before I get into any deal, it, even at that first multifamily, you know, the, the first, my first um, uh, residential property, which was a multi-unit, you learn, I learned from, from that deal and just kind of just being in it, asking, like you say, asking questions. I asked a lot of questions, I asked a lot of questions and I get answers to those questions. So then I start implementing what I've learned. And one of the things I've learned is that before I get into a deal, you have to prepare for that deal before you even get into it. So extra strategies, before I even touch a deal, I have at least two extra strategies, how I'm gonna exit out of this deal. If I cannot find a way to exit out of this deal that makes sense for me, we don't even touch it. That's before we start, uh, you know, as we evaluate, before I even go look at the property, I'm looking, I'm at home, I'm looking at uh, loopnet.com, I'm looking at the, the numbers on the deal and I'm working the numbers out. And then once the numbers make sense, I say, you know what, this would be a great deal. 
you know what, who do I know that would be interested in making money with me on this deal? And then that's when I'm going through my Rolodex. Hey, I'm gonna call Chris. I'm gonna call this person. Hey, Chris, I got this great deal. I don't know if you're interested, if you know somebody that's interested. So, hey, this is potentially what we can make on this deal. We're looking to exit out in two years and do a refinance. So that's what I'm doing. I'm calling everybody. Um, I'm putting it on Facebook. Hey, I got this great deal. I'm looking for a partner. I, you know, looking for at the time, I'm looking for a partner. If somebody want to partner with me on this deal, some great numbers, call me, inbox me. And the biggest way I, I end up starting getting investors and, and potential partners is I would go to a meetup. So are you familiar with meetup.com? Yep. I would go to meetup.com, find a, a local area or RIA and go there. And, they, and the RIA that I was going to in Chicago, they will allow you to pitch your deal. So if you have a deal, I just ran my numbers and I just put it, you know, small, I wasn't really wasn't too professional, but I just put some numbers together to kind of talk about the deal. I, I print out what the realtors put on online. I say, hey, I got this deal a six unit deal and this, these are the numbers. It's a great deal. Uh, we looking to close in the next 30 days. We're looking for partners that may be interested in making a double digit return. And everybody after that just came to me, got their number and I put it together. I My biggest thing was follow up. I hit everybody up the same night. Hey, I put a picture of myself because sometimes people forget who you are. Hey, I'm Javon, we talked about this and hey, can we talk and have coffee? So I set it up in the beginning before I even started looking at properties knowing that my credit was bad, knowing that I didn't have any money in my account. I have not, I didn't have anything in my account, but I had this remember mindset and I had the knowledge and I was educating myself. So I'll, I knew that it didn't have to be my money. So OPM had to be someone else's money as long as I, so I was, I started getting good at deal structuring even before I even purchased my first property. So anytime someone is looking to get in real estate, I tell them the first thing you should do is just evaluate your market, your, your backyard and know it very well. And I knew that property like the back of my hand once I, uh, you know, decided to put an offer on there. So before I put an offer on there, I already talked to the person I was working with, someone that was really to give me a verbal commitment, work with the lenders and learn what they was looking for. And I kind of put that piece together and I was able to put on the contract. So that's getting into a deal with bad credit. So people say, oh, you know, I can't get in a deal with bad credit, I got the money. You know, it's, it's really it's really the mindset. Once you take that, that block, that roadblock out of your head, you have access and do anything that you want to do. It's just you know, putting things together. And, and then when you need help, you know, call the right people. That's why I was setting up certain partnerships to call, hey, Chris, I need some help with this. Can you help me with that? And that's kind of how I was able to get that first that first deal. That's it. And that's that, that's such an awesome story, man. And, and it's going to help a lot of people. I know people that are, that, that are listening that want to get into their first deal or want to be able to dive in and don't know where to start. They have bad credit or whatever the case is, right? Just hearing that you could get started, you could still put together a deal despite the you know the financial situation you were in oh, yes. means for everyone else they can do the exact same thing the big thing i want them you know people to hear and for any, anyone listening the networking aspect of what you had to do before all of this yes. that led up to the deal yes right? before all of the deal and get all of it coming to the table and all that stuff you had to have a rolodex you said you were able to go back through which means you had to have one which means you were doing a lot of networking tell tell me about your networking in the days that you were you know building out and kind of getting into the oh I, I i do this i'm doing it with you right now i'm, I'm always and, and networking is not always to raise capital it's just one to just meet the you, I, you never know when we may partner up this year next year you may know someone that may be interested i may know someone to be interested in what you're doing so it's just i'm always uh at least um before COVID is going to a, a meeting like at least and then that's i got to like three three times a month so almost like once a week just going to these meetings that's in the uh in the field or whatever you're looking to to do and just being there socializing and and looking presentable and just you know speaking to talk sometimes and again i didn't always know how to speak you know the certain language or even know how to analyze a deal it's just kind of being there and sometimes I, I met people and we just had coffee and they just was willing to share knowledge with me mm-hmm. and i just kept everybody information the biggest thing that i i, I see that for most people that's getting started is trying to network is that they don't follow up that that is that is where everybody falls short hey i'll give you a call tomorrow and they never follow up um, the one thing that I do is that no matter who I speak to, if I speak to 10 people, I get the information, I get the email, uh, regardless of what field that they may be in, uh, you know, co- you know, whatever field, I always follow up. If they, they can be in a hair salon, they can be in whatever, there's a mechanic shop, a flower shop. I always follow up, let them know who I am and what I do. Hey, this is what I do. My name is Jovan. I help people get double-digit return in real estate. And they always say, double-digit return, how so? And that's how coffee and I can tell you more about it. And that is important. So that's before I even have a deal, right? 
So as long as you always networking and you following up with these people, you get a Rolodex of these individuals, you say, hey, it creeps in your mind, hey, I got deals that come to me from time to time. And if you, you know, you may be interested or not, but if, do you mind if I send you uh, some information on there? You're like, oh, great, yeah, um, I'm interested in my dad, maybe interested, just, just send it to me, Javon. And that's kind of how I do, just get that going. And then, you know, just go from there. And then it, it's, it's not guaranteed that you're going to close on a deal, but I won't even put on the contract unless I get a verbal commitment that uh, you're willing to commit funds within like two weeks. But that that takes time as well. So it's just building, it's just building a relationship. I don't just, you know, some, even when I work with partners and investors, sometimes they take me almost six, seven times to talk to them. Because again, they, they may not know you and they never met you a day in their life. They want to get a good, like now, get a good feel for you, see how you talk, how you, you know, which, you know, your morals and that type of deal, you know. It takes so time the, to build a relationship. It takes time. Oh, yeah. To you, can, you can't rush it. You can't, you can't rush all. it. So that's that's why I start like now. I might be looking at I may be the person that I talked to today may not be ready to commit to the to, to December or August. But it's just always talking to people and all. And it's funny. I got a call today. Uh, someone is watching me on Facebook. Just me. Just I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, you know, posting related to what I do. Right. So I know Instagram, I got one thing that's happening over there. And then Facebook is more like personal people that know me that I, I interact with. So I make sure I'm me walking at a property. Hey, I just just celebrate my wins. That's what I call selling my break my wins and show people they can do the same thing. Right. By doing that, what also what happens is there's people that are watching in different states. That's like, man, I see Javon with his kids. I see Javon doing real estate. And then I had a guy reach out to me. They just kept saying, hey, I want to talk to you. I want to talk. And we end up connecting. And he said, hey, look, hey, I'm an investor. Hey, you know, I, I just sold one of my companies, you know, for some pretty good money. I've been traveling and I'm looking to not do anything else with real estate, but just, you know, just just collect, you know, income and I'll be willing to partner with you. And I just by posting what I do on Facebook. Right. That's and I won't even looking for any investors. So <laughs> it's, huge. it's huge. And again, you know, I'm glad you're saying it because I've been a big proponent of social media and continuing to build those powerful and have the conversations. And it's just, you know, I'm glad you spoke to it because it, I just come across so many people that they just shy away from the networking part. They shy away from building relationships. Like they they don't want to step out of their comfort zone. I don't know. Maybe they just call themselves introverts or they just think they don't need to talk to people. But like they really don't understand that that old saying, right? It's not life is not about what you know. It's about who you know. And yes. that is the truth, especially if you're in real estate, especially if you're in some form of a business where you're getting clients or you're, there's a customer service aspect of it. It's going to be about who you know and diving in and building those relationships is so important. And then look, right, the more that you listen on social and the more that you put out content on social, the more that people get around you or start to get, you know, see what you're doing. And then they reach out when they need something and that puts you in the best position to then build a business, to get more clients, to get more investors, to get partners. And uh, I just never understood why people shied away from that side, right? I was, again, I was told a long time ago, the person that shakes the most hands is making the most money. So I was like, that well, true. let me go shake a bunch of hands, right? Like this, this stuff is common sense to me, but not to everybody else, you know what I mean? But things, like you said, things are changing too, even for the people that, I, and I'm like that at times, I kind of got to force myself to go out and network because I, I like my personal space and I, and I like doing things on my own. But at the same time, uh, even now with, with with the pandemic, it really helps the people that's, that's, that don't like to go out and network because now it's actually acceptable for you to do meetings online. Or exactly. They're doing, um, they, they, so like with meetups now, they are doing like the virtual meetings where you can introduce yourself online. You don't have to shake anybody's hand. And even like I said, with me, I, I just post what I do. Sometimes I show me and my kids. I even show my kids at the project sometimes. And, and I just speak, people like you. They're not gonna invest with you because you're this smart guy. You make millions of dollars. You can, I got someone invested with me on my, one of my deals, um, never met me, but they they was, it was a referral from one of their cousins, like $70,000 to do a real estate deal. They didn't, they didn't know if I actually did real estate or not. They never seen any projects. They went off of their field because I came and met with them at a kitchen table with their, with their wife. And they, people sometimes they just work because they like you. Yep. And that's it. And sometimes you just got to be who you are and be yourself and then, you know, show people what you, you know, what you're doing. And, and people can see if you are not doing what you, you know, say that you do. It's, it's kind of easy after you speak and talk to the person, you know, just be yourself. And even if you don't know, I'll say I'm, I'm a person I like to be transparent. If I don't know something, you ask me a question, I'm going to say, I, I have no idea. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. And people respect you for that. They definitely will. People do business with people that they like and trust, right? Social media, transparency earns trust. 
the more transparent you are with people, the more they can trust you, the more they'll do business with you, right? It's a pretty simple formula, but again, people have to figure this thing out. So as we kind of wrap this thing up, talk to me about like where the multifamily, where you see the multifamily industry, like, you know, as an investor, um, I know there's, you know, things have been changing like crazy on, you know, the yeah. landscape. So is inventory going to open up or prices going to drop? Like what, what are you seeing? So that's a loaded question. It's a loaded <laughs> question. So it's a few things that's going on. So one, I, uh, and what, what market are you in? Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. So in most markets in in the United States, you're experiencing um, you know no inventory. A lot. Of, it's not a lot. Of, it's very little inventory for the residential property. So like the one to four unit single family homes. That is very hard competition. The prices are going through the roof. Uh, investors like myself are not buying these properties because they're overpriced. And the new, the newbies, the new investors that don't understand the market are buying them because they get into the, what is called bidding war. So you find a property for two hundred thousand, you like it, and it's our, it's a turnkey property. Guess what? Someone else come in and put an extra ten, and then you guys, I'm not in the business to to you know to do that because it don't it don't help with my bottom line. So so on the residential side. Actually, I, I see it getting worse because there there's um, some things that's about to be passed in Congress that's going to allow more people that's on the fence to go ahead and start getting into the real estate. So they're proposing certain things where they may give you uh, a tax credit to purchase a property. So now the people that was on the fence that didn't have the money, now you got more people that's going to join the market. So now again, you're driving that price up and it's still a, a seller's market. Now it's a little different in the commercial multifamily. So when you're doing the five minutes or more, it's not as much competition, or it's, you know, it's not as many people um, that's fighting over deals like it is with the residential. But the other thing that you have on the multifamily now, you got multifamily. Say they we look talking about twenty or thirty unit. There's people that's not paying their rent, right? So you have issues like that in New York, what we call like uh, some, uh, you know, a lot of states uh, have not. Uh, allow you to evict your tenants. So if you do have some tenants, you have a, a you know a ten unit building and say that half the building is not paying. Now that's hurting the landlord, and that, that landlord may have to come out of their pocket depending on how it's structured. I know you know some horror stories out there. So you have to really have to be strategic and planning to to buy a multifamily and know that there's a possibility that one that your tenants may not pay because of what's happening right now. And then the other way of looking at it for someone like myself. I like to buy different type of properties. So sometimes I buy value as uh, the properties that we tend to buy may be properties, say like a seven to eight unit that may have uh, have uh, occupied and have you know vacant. So we are collecting rent and then we go ahead and getting other tenants in there. One of the things that we do, we work with uh, people that's section eight and you know, a lot of people are against it. But for us, and we've been doing it for a while, 90% of our portfolio is section eight. The reason why we like section eight for even right now, uh, we haven't missed a payment. Guaranteed income. <laughs> first, first, uh, I had a lot of people that 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 they used to laugh and they they tell me their horror story for Section Eight. But we teach Section Eight tenants are like everybody else, right? We we screen them, we go to their property, we have a system, we do uh we do quarterly inspections, so we treat them like market tenants and everybody else, and we don't have the same issues. Of course, we do sometimes, but we are we we treat them a certain way, and we make sure that we maintain. We have a system in place. And because of that system in place, we're able to get guaranteed through this whole uh, shift in the economy first of the month. So for me as an investor, and uh, that is important to me that uh, when it comes to the finances, I, I, you know, that I'm getting that number, that, that, that money to support my family and, and things like that. So far as on uh, the multifamily, now the other side of it, so you got, you know, you got one, you got to be careful of, you know, um, what's happening with the market, with the tenants, because that's not going to really change. The other part of it is the people that's looking to start buying that's on the fence of buying a, a 10 unit or a 20 unit. There's about to be a nice amount of things that's about to hit the inventory. So for the ones that's on the fence, I say, if you get on the fence, start collecting your money, start working with your partners, get your money together. Because at some point with the forbearance and all these things, there's what we call a mom and pop investor. These people that there are people that's not going to be able to maintain these properties. So when these things off market properties start becoming available, you want to be in a position where you can buy these properties and then you want to take those property and where the uh, landlord mismanaged and you come in and you can add value and bring in your team where you can now make the money 
and set yourself up to to win. And it's going to be, and I say within like the next, I would, you know, I would say within the next six or seven months, it's going to be a major change, and the economy is going to make a, a major shift. So I would say continue, you know, you know, getting your money together, you know, getting your partners together. Uh, right now, it might be a little little rough to get a property, but really soon, once the things start. To there's going to be so many properties available you want to and it's going to be some amazing deals you want to make sure that you have your things in order in order to get these deals that is wise 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 advice i've been saying it it's time to get your money right because there's going to oh, be yes. a bunch of deals in the very near future so that's a great way to end uh this this episode javon i appreciate it tell everybody where to find you where can they find you Sure, uh, across all social media platform, Jovan Crawford, J-O-V-A-N-C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D, senior, so that's S-R, so I am a senior, I got a small sign, so it's Jovan Crawford, S-R on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Awesome. And also a website is uh, Crawford.com. Awesome, we'll link it up here in the show notes. Uh, but man, you guys have heard them. He definitely can give you some of this knowledge that he's, you know, uh, acquired over the past, you know, 10, 15 years being in the industry, understanding money, understanding entrepreneurship, uh, getting to that place of building generational wealth, but really being able to advise and kind of walk someone that's a little bit newer in their path down the path of investing in multifamily, commercial, multifamily, whatever that is. Um, so reach out to Giovanni. He's, he's, he's there to help. Like I said, we got connected on Clubhouse and now on Instagram. So reach out to him. He's, he's going to be here to help you. Um, but I appreciate you stopping by, dropping some knowledge on the uh, listeners. And um, man, in, in the future, we have to do some business together, man. And, oh, definitely. Because Chicago is one of those markets I wanted to get into eventually. Uh, it's so. an amazing market. Absolutely. The power of networking. This is what, what we do. So uh, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to jump on tonight, man. No, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. I, I enjoy myself. Anything I can do to help, uh, please you know, reach out. Absolutely. We're here. And until next time, we're signing off for Property Players. Again, I'm C. Muzan. We'll talk to you guys soon.